Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Whiskey and Watches podcast. Uh, we are joined tonight by our favorite Fratelli, uh, our boy Mike Stockton, who happens to be stateside for a little bit, a little while, so it makes the recording a little bit easier. We're all in the same time zone. We don't have to do math, which is uh, always good. So, Mike, welcome back. Thank you for having me. It's always great to be on, and when I'm over here, it's you're right, it's convenient, and I can... Uh, have a drink with you guys, and one of us isn't doing it uh, before <laughs> noon, and one of us isn't doing yeah. it too late. So, yeah, it's great Is to be here. Is this your Thanks. fifth? Oh. And. No, I, th- I think it's fourth. Second with okay. Evan in yes. uh, attendance, and just wanted to say congratulations on your 100th episode. I know it was uh, in the past, but just want to say congrats. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Absolutely. Yes. Thanks. Um, we're recording this a little bit out of order, which is which is fun. So thank you for working that in. Um, you know, we're going to go ahead and do uh, what we normally do with a drink check and a wrist check. But also, even though this might have aired after the Super Bowl, we're not quite sure on the order of things. Why don't we go ahead and do a Super Bowl pick since uh, the local team uh, somehow made it all the way for, for the first time in, what, 31 years? 32 years? 31 years? Since Hickey yeah. Woods, right? 31. Yeah, was Woods, even yeah. alive. 89 was the last time. <laughs> no, I was negative six. Icky and Boomer. My wife and I have uh, joked like, my I wife and I were that. the only two of all of our siblings because we're both the oldest that were alive the last time the Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, but no, you don't remember it. So, <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, I remember the Icky shuffle. It was kind of a big deal. Um, of course, in Florida, we're like Cincinnati, you know? Um, yeah, we knew the Reds because Pete Rose was there, right? But uh, the Bengals were sort of this, well, we're Dolphins fans, right? And uh, yeah, this character, Icky Woods, who came out of nowhere, you know? And the, and the Icky Shuffle was a big deal. So it was a fun team, but unfortunately, they did not triumph in the Super no, they Bowl, did, did they? Nope. Both times. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I really I, thought it was going to be destiny that uh, the 49ers beat the Rams, seeing as the Bengals have only played the 49ers yeah. in a Super Bowl. So I really thought it would be destiny that they would. Uh, Jimmy G is no Joe Montana. Face up once again, but unfortunately. <laughs> that actually probably would have worked out no. better for the Bengals. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Regardless, they have a chance with other teams. Yes. I wasn't too concerned. I think KC is probably there, would be. is. Yeah. Were, oh yeah. Since we're talking past tense, their For toughest sure. test that they would have had to, had to have uh, gone through. Yeah, being being a Browns fan, um, it is so much more fun. Like, uh, thank God the the one team in the division that I like don't have any antipathy toward is the one that made it right because I can hmm. be down here in Cincy on the sidelines. Like, I I hope they win. Uh, this is a a team full of like cool characters for once. There's, uh, you know, there's no Vontae's Burfix or, uh, you know, they're, uh, you know, they're, uh, characters of ill repute. Uh, so it, it has been a blast these past couple of weeks. I mean, pe- people are just hyped. You can tell when the game's over because people are shooting off fireworks in the neighborhood. <laughs> um, you know, the priest is uh, talking about it at mass. It's great. It is big fun. But I think I feel like nobody really 
dislike Cincinnati, right? Cincinnati is not really like a hated no, town. It's not a really known town. I just is think it? it's just kind of. I don't think so. Just kind of. It's no. exa- the, the perfect example. Yeah, it's a Midwest city. Example right? of that. I don't know if you guys ever watched the show The Good Place. It's a. <laughs> it's a con- the concept not yeah. to. Sp- Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Uh, they think they're in the good place. They're actually in the bad place, and they, the, they they've been tricked to thinking that. And uh, when they figure it out, uh, the main character, who's played by Kristen Bell, is like, you know, I wasn't a great person, but I wasn't a terrible person. Like everybody who's like me should get to live in live in in Cincinnati for eternity. Like it's not a great place. It's not a terrible place. But like Cincinnati's okay. Like that's where I deserve to live. <laughs> so like I should get to live yeah, in a Cincinnati. That's funny. Uh, yeah, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I think um, when I lived in the uh, exciting metropolis of Youngstown, Ohio, I uh, had, you know, it was like a divide there of Browns fans and Steelers fans, yep. Stillers fans. And uh, at that time, you had uh, Myron Cope, who was Ugh. calling the uh, games, and he used to call the uh, the Bengals the Bungles. So that's why I kind of still refer to them that way. But Myron nice to Cope. see them in, no doubt about you, it. You got you got Macaulay Culkin's athletic younger brother at quarterback. That I'm sorry, like, he, <laughs> he does, does look, look like look Macaulay like him, Culkin. It's I'm unbelievable. Sorry. It's unbelievable. He's been phenomenal this year. But like, it's... holy cow, he looks like Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> <laughs> Macaulay Culkin with the swag turned up oh, to yeah. eleven. Macaulay though. Culkin, like, yeah, it, knocking but... off the burglars um, right now. Like as a tw- as like a twenty five year old or whatever like that that kid Kevin uh what's his what's the last name Kevin McAllister, McAllister all grown up is what Joe Burrow is <laughs> yeah he does look like him yeah it's funny I, I was thinking that the other day and I'm like ah, I'm not gonna make that comment for my dad and uh, he does, does look like him he it's really incredible does. yeah uh, anyway yeah. digress we've so. we've talked about it so Mike what's in the glass what's on the wrist who's winning the game. <laughs> so um what's in the glass i um whenever i come to the u.s usually when the within the first day or two i go to uh do you guys have total wine and liquor there in cincinnati i don't think we do i'm familiar with it i've heard about it but i don't think we have of them do we We, we've got one in baton rouge where i'm at currently not in cincinnati no no not in cincinnati uh, there is one down where i'm at okay which is arguably just as good so, so I went to one of these stores years ago and uh, like it was outside of uh, DC or Baltimore in that area when I lived in Pennsylvania, kind of when I would drive back up uh, to Lancaster and I was pretty impressed by the, the selection at that time it was more for craft beer, but uh, they've expanded and we've got a couple of them not too far from the house in addition to an ABC liquor. So regardless, I go to one of these big shops um usually in the first couple days and I pick up a few bottles that over the couple weeks just kind of sip from with my dad. And one of the bottles I bought, uh, this time, cause I like, I really like these, uh, these bourbons is the, uh, old forester, this whiskey row series. And, um, it's the 1897, which is a bottled and bond. So it's a hundred proof and it's really good. Uh, I, I really enjoy it. And, uh, I shot you a note earlier, Spence. This is a buzz pick, and I don't know, Evan, at the store you're working at, if you've seen this, but Jim Beam 
came out with this uh, bottled and bond stuff called Old Tub. Have you seen this? I have, yes. So, I don't know. Some people like Jim Beam and some don't. You know, I'm a huge Knob Creek fan. I like the big caramel. And mm. I don't I don't know if you guys followed this, but like a number of years ago, Jim or Knob Creek went away from their nine-year age statement and they went to like a non-age statement bottle and it pissed people off. And rightfully so, right? Um, that's gone now. So it's now back to nine year. And in my view, this old tub, I really think it is the non age <laughs> statement knob Creek that they've put in a less fancy bottle and they're selling it for like eight, nine bucks less. It's good. Um, for 22 bucks, not bad. Uh, if you like that, uh, big caramel taste that the Jim beam does, I liked it. Um, so I'm not drinking that right now, but I, I just thought I would bring it up because it was another cool thing that I hit upon here. Um, on the wrist, I am wearing my Ming 1709 in blue. So Ooh. this is the very nice. Yeah. <clears throat> so this was here waiting for me and I really like it. I think it's like above a little bit above 37 millimeters or something. So it fits really nicely and came on like this really dark blue kind of Alcantara strap that it's really cool and no issues with the jump hour and all that kind of stuff that, you know, these ran into in the beginning. And let's see, as for the game, we talked about this. I'm a Lions fan next to my Dolphins, and that means I kind of want to see Stafford do something good after suffering in Detroit for so long. But I have to admit, Burroughs is really cool to watch as well. I, I'm, 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 you know, as a Florida person, I'm not a California fan in general, um, other than their wine, so, and some of their beers, but, um, and yeah, probably some people too. <laughs> All right, um, but <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I could go either way with this, and it's tough because I'm on a Cincinnati-based uh, podcast here, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm I'm leaning slightly towards the Rams, but I'd love to see a great game. And if it's a great game, I won't be saddened with that's fair. either team winning. That's, How's that that's very fair. For not making a decision. The other thing we didn't talk about <laughs> is the fact that uh, somebody retired today officially, which uh, was great news for 31 oh, other NFL teams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I feel like they're Sorry, the running to get Aaron Rodgers. So Yeah. Like that. <laughs> yeah, that that was the big joke on yeah. uh every on all the memes, right? So yeah. yeah. So oh, yeah. Yeah, Florida yeah. will happily Friday take number him, of right? reasons. So uh, good and, state uh, for him. as a Bears fan, I'll be happy to see him uh I mean he'll still be in yeah. the NFC, but he won't be in my division. Yeah, exactly. Get the heck I'll out of okay the division, right? Um yeah. Spangler, do you want to go ahead? I mean I think we know where you're picking the Super Bowl. Uh, yeah, I mean, we can just, like, jump straight to that. Obviously, I'm going to pick Cincinnati for, uh, honestly, not just because I'm a Cincinnati person. Um, I think between, uh, the Rams and Casey, Casey was a tougher task. So I think, I mean, Cincinnati has already faced their toughest opponent that they'll face in the postseason. Um, but I mean, LA's good. I think it's going to be a good game regardless. But, uh, just from my personal ties, I gotta go with Cincinnati. Joey B's got ice through his veins, man. I'll tell you what. 
Um, <laughs> keep the change, you filthy animal. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, on the wrist, um, I've got my IWC Spitfire on. Whoa. I was going to go. Yeah, I know. Yeah, not, not wearing the sub. I was going to go with the Speedmaster, but I'm like, I wore that last time you were on. So uh, I figured I'd go from the- No need to get dressed up for me, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I only have an on a NATO too. Sorry, sorry, oh, like, wow. special either there. Um, but, but yeah, I got that got that bad boy on the wrist, uh, and in the glass I've got a a bourbon that I actually just picked up. I went on a little bit of a bourbon hunt here recently um, and picked up some pretty good stuff. But uh, one of them that really surprised me was one called Stellum Bourbon. I don't know mm-hmm. if any of you all have heard of this one. Uh, super simple, come in what looks like wine bottles. Uh, they've got a white label, a blue label, and then a blue and gold type of label. Uh, fairly new. I was honestly shocked by this stuff. It's very, very good. Um, huh. And stuff that you can probably easily get to if you find it. Um, not Kentucky? stuff that people have jumped on yet. What's that? Is it Kentucky? Uh, yeah, I believe it's uh, from the bottle, distilled in Kentucky, bottled around like Ohio, Indiana. And I think maybe also bottled in Kentucky, but maybe not. I'll have to check back on that. So I have to ask um, the Submariner. So first off, congrats. Mm -hmm. And thank you. Are you still in love? Uh, Yeah. I I mean, what's not to love? Um, Actually, I love it even more now because I was actually looking at it today. uh, And I have a nice big just slash on the uh, far side (laughs) of the bracelet on there. I don't know how I got it. Nice work. Uh, But I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, damn, this is uh, is my watch now. Might have something to do with that bourbon run you were. <laughs> yeah, it's already, that watch has already been through some nonsense. So yeah, maybe, who knows? <laughs> I tend to not uh, care too much about the scratches, so I don't really look for them. But uh, yeah, possibly, who knows? Nice. But did you, didn't cool. you get that right uh, around their wild card win and we're like, quick, get that thing insured yeah. before you go black out somewhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really... They really do need to look into that insurance, but uh, yeah, who knows? I tend to uh, not really wear that around my nights. That I get a little get a little bit too. Well, it's, it is funny though. Libated. I feel like uh, Mike, you and I have talked multiple times about Louisiana Rolex dealers. I'm telling you, that's the secret. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's where my sub came from, and yeah, <laughs> there might There's be something about Louisiana. <laughs> we all shall just head down there, right? So. Uh, I will say the the last time I went in there to go pick it up, they had a uh, they didn't have any Rolex in the case, but they did have a two tone Datejust behind the counter that I had to ask about. Yeah, so uh, mm-hmm. kind of strange. It's getting a little tight down here these days. Yeah. it is what well, it is. Very cool. Well, um, yeah. So I I cover everything. Yeah, the drink man. wrist team. Yeah. All right. So uh, before I get into all these picks, Mike, you you brought up Youngstown, and uh, one of the gifts that I got at Christmas this year that I truly treasure is uh, my brother picked me up a bottle of Charlie Staples barbecue sauce, Mm. cups of love, uh, noted landmark uh, Youngstown barbecue joint, and... uh, because I've been been smoking these meats uh, recently, I'm I'm quite excited to uh, to actually use it here soon. Nice. Yeah. 
All right. Um, let's talk about the game first. Uh, Bengals by three. Money back. Oh, yeah. McPherson's fine, fine leg work gives them the win. Doesn't have to be like a end of regulation, you know, overtime sort of thing. But I, I, I think that uh, that wow. golden leg gets them the win. That that was a yeah. Oh, <laughs> incredible! No, you guy, that guy is he's a rookie. Unbelievable! He doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also true. Also he true. He also doesn't know how to miss. Touch he hasn't all missed the, the playoffs can, yet. Spangler, touch all the wood you can. Yeah, not good. <laughs> yeah, not I'm, I'm 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 banging on it around me. Everything I can find. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in, in addition to all that action, uh, late 90s slash early 2000s buzz is loving the halftime show this year. We got Eminem, oh, Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg. I'm missing some other people. I remember Kendrick Lamar's in there. It's like the, the young gun of the group. Uh, Warren G. Is he? That would, uh, no, he's not there, but you know, Nate Dogg. And Warren G had to on? regulate. Yeah. <sighs> Very true. No, I... Um, it should be. It will be very nice being actually excited uh, for this whole uh, spectacle. Yeah, be be good fun. All right, in the glass, I am drinking a prefab old fashioned from Journeyman Distillery tonight. That's uh, the uh, distillery that I like up in uh, Michigan. Uh, near New Buffalo. It's not in New Buffalo, but it's near. That's that's a favorite uh, vacation spot of mine. It's made with their Last Feather Rye and uh, Orange Simple Syrup. It's quite nice uh, on ice with a couple Luxardo cherries. Uh, the old fashions that I've had uh, at their distillery from them are like transcendently good this is merely really good but uh the fact that i can go to my refrigerator and pour one at any time you know that that counts for a lot too so we'll we'll take it uh and then on my wrist is uh my uh, tudor black bay 58 so it's uh it's been been good fun very nice Absolutely. It, it's back on the Oyster. Um, the uh, Super Jube that uh, came with it. I know. Um, it's, it's taken a little bit of a hiatus from that because the end links don't actually fit because it's from Rolex. Yeah, it's a Rolex uh, fit one. So uh, they just kind of spin around. I know, I know. Honkos, the famous name <laughs> in uh, online uh, jubes. Um, yeah, it, uh, it's good though. I'm excited for it. So, yeah. All right. Well, right, we'll start with the game. Bring us home. uh, As a, as a native Bears fan, um, being from Northern Indiana, uh, everyone thinks, oh, you're from Indiana, you're a Colts fan. It's like, "Ah, I was during the playoffs, um, (laughs) growing up because the Bears, other than 05, when they had to play the Colts in the Super Bowl, um, you know, just, uh. Not good. So, of course, I'm rooting for the hometown team, and I, I'm I'm kind of with Buzzy. I think it, I'm, I'm thinking it'll be a good game. It'll be fun to watch. I watched the second half of that KC game on the edge of my seat. Like I am really excited to actually kind of like have a rooting interest in the game. 
I'm a little bit nervous, though, because I feel like if they win, there's not going to be much of Cincinnati left, <laughs> um, just given the celebration so far. Um, there's already no school uh, in most of the greater Cincinnati area the day after the game, and I feel like if they're smart, the following Monday after the Super Bowl Monday is uh, President's Day, so like they should just have the parade that day because all the kids will be out of school anyway because there ain't going to be any kids in school during the parade. Um, so... No, I think the Bengals. I'm thinking the Bengals by chickens, go you? four, <laughs> not three, four. Um, so yeah, just just another maybe something mm-hmm. weird happens. Maybe somebody mm-hmm. gets a safety. You never know. Somebody gets a two point conversion. Anyway, maybe McPherson does a drop kick for some extra points. You know, you never know. Doug Flutie style. Hell yeah! Mm. <laughs> make you know make drop kicks a thing again. <laughs> Not to not to get in front of your flow, but I but I have to say, like between LA and KC, these are like two yeah. remarkably high powered offenses, and yeah, they both really stuttered. Um, so I think it's going to yeah. be a horse race. Well, I mean, really you saw, you I hope saw, so. I, I saw a stat that so. said that uh, the Bengals dropped eight on forty five percent of the plays of the second half, and it it worked. Like they got enough of a pass rush, or we're just relentless enough to get enough pressure on Mahomes, mm-hmm. and he like Tyreek Hill had what? What he didn't have any catches in the second half. He had one catch, something like that. It was something ridiculous. Like it, it worked. So substitute Tyreek Hill for Cooper Cup, and if you like, can keep that guy contained, yeah. I don't know. Maybe you got a shot. <laughs> we'll see. <sighs> anyway, that's enough football. Um, in the glass, I've got something that I think you got to try recently, Mike, that uh, was a recommendation of mine. Uh, I've got the Glen Levet Founders Reserve in the glass, which I feel like was a favorite of your dad's. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, he's he's putting a hurting it's, it's on a the bottle. One. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> it goes down it's really good. so easily. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, what a great price. It was price. funny because... Uh, I have so no idea. When did scotch become well, like the I value said, it, play, it, it's by the way? Because <laughs> we, know, we know the gentleman who blends yeah. it. Uh, we've gotten to talk to Sandy uh, a couple of times. We still correspond quite a bit. Um, and I can remember, like I said, one of our other previous guests, uh, Bryant, Bearded Southern Gentleman, was like, I'm at the liquor store in Florida. What's the one that you recommend? And I was like, well, Caribbean Reserve, if you're on the beach. He goes, ah, they're out of that. He goes, between the 12 and the founders, what, were you gonna, what would you pick? And I was like... I can't imagine the Founders is bad, but I've only had the 12. He goes, ah, I'm going to buy them both. And then he's like, oh, the Founders is great. So like, I was like, well, I got to try that. Um, and you're right, for the price and the fact that they finish it in essentially first fill bourbon barrels, so it's like un- unused American oak, it's just got that like little hybrid. And Glen Levet's not a smoky, like, uh, you know, big smoky scotch. It works. Um, it's a high so it's just, a, just a huge fan yeah. of that. So, uh, yeah. Always, always fun to sing Sandy's praises. Um, and then, uh, excuse me, excuse me, the nose. Uh, my, uh, my son shares everything, and, it, and that includes the cold he brought home from preschool. So uh, we're going to struggle through this. But uh, on the wrist, uh, it is, we're recording this a little bit early. It is the first. It is El Primero Day. I've got on my Chronomaster El Primero, the 38 millimeter with the original movement in it, not the new trick one. But uh, it's on a leather strap from my buddy Cincy Strap Co. And I love this watch. So... Yeah, that's what's on the wrist. It's fantastic. Great piece. Uh, so nice. that was only twenty three minutes. It wasn't forty five. So I don't know if bros listening. So you gotta gotta throw that out there. We got through the wrist check, drink check, game check, and uh, 
23 minutes, not 45 minutes. So uh, maybe that was more for Schmidt. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, there's a there's a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And I, I think, you know, Buzzy, I think you brought this up. Uh, Mike, you did a sort of a, a wish list for 2022. And I, I think maybe maybe talking about that. I'll turn it over to Buzz because I know Buzzy's probably got a, a few notes. Uh, Buzzy comes prepared on uh, kind of what we think we should be looking for in, in 2022. Yes. Yes. So um, this is pretty much a yearly thing, right? I I feel like I've read um, this before, kind of uh, a wish list from you. For me. Or did we just talk about this last year? Um, (laughs) It just – didn't we? Maybe we did. I Well – I don't know. Did we, or did we talk? I, I know we spoke pretty early in the year last year, like after, um, yeah. Watches and wonders and, and just talked about some different things. Could be, okay. um, maybe it was that, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think going into this year, I feel like for enthusiasts at least, or people like us who talk about watches within a certain price range. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to make any assumptions, but I don't think any of us are shopping at the MBNF uh, counter, or uh, you know, not to say that we won't one day or wouldn't like to, but you know, that's generally not what we're looking at. I think we've actually been treated to a lot of really good watches in the last several years. There's just been we've seen case sizes come down and. Some brands at least answering to making thinner watches and things like that, and even some better bracelets in the last couple of years. That was always kind of a real complaint, right? You know, these big thick clasps and things like that. And we've had a lot of good stuff, but that doesn't mean that there isn't um, more to like. And and I know before the show, we were talking about some of the things that have even come out of in the last several weeks, you know, whether it's the New Zenith uh, Defy line, uh, Skyline, or the King Seiko collection. There's really wearable, cool stuff, right? And um, but we've still not, you know, we've not seen the big releases, right, from some of the other brands. And um, yeah, so so I put together just four or five different things that I wanted to see in an article, and yeah, it generated a lot of comments and and things like that, and um. Yeah, it's up to you guys. We can kind of talk through some of these things, or I mean, I'd love to hear what you guys are looking for um, in twenty twenty two. So I'm going to just start with the tutor. I'm going to start with the yeah. tutor. I, very. So in your article, you point out they haven't done much with the GMT, uh, besides hopefully fixing the date change, um, and I think that. Uh, a Black Bay 58 size GMT is probably a pipe dream. Um, I, I just that that probably seems like too much to hope for. But uh, Coke and root beer, those would be those would be good um, kind of layups for them. I think there are a whole bunch of of people. They've realized just how great Jubilee bracelets are. You know, that's they they are converted. Are you um, one of those reborn bucks? again? Really in uh, <laughs> in the the, the the cult of the Jubilee. 
Um, Spread the gospel buzz. Absolutely. We love it. <laughs> hey, you know, the, the preaching's fun, but I really like when I pass the collection plate. <laughs> it buys me more Jubilee bracelets. <laughs> okay, so we know that Tudor will never, in, in the in the you know modern era, let's say in the, the present era, right? They, they are not going to slavishly imitate something that Big Brother does, right? That that's why we will never get a Tudor sub again, right? Where they they'll give they'll hype up that you're getting one and they'll. Give you a PO one instead. <laughs> so I think they need a little little spice, a little difference uh, for the uh, the jubilee to, to separate it. And I think what they should do is uh, make it a uh, a super jubilee style. Okay, so so hidden clasp, but then have a visible uh, flip over safety clasp on it, like they do on the Tudor Royal. I think that that would differentiate it enough that um, you know they they would uh, not be stepping on uh, Rolex's toes, but uh, man, they should like get onto that ASAP. Uh, but you're but you're really asking for it for one of the dive watches or for one of the watches that has been around for a while that you'd like to see that option. That's what you mean, correct? Yeah, I think you, you, you do it on the Black Bay line. Hmm. You have the option. And it's not like it's completely out of character for them because originally you had like every single strap that came with with the, the Black Bay. You know, they had the Pope's NATO strap and, uh, you know, le- and then uh, bracelet or leather. So. You know, giving options isn't isn't out of the realm of possibility for them. Right, right, and especially since they've already they they just went back with the uh, uh, Pelagos uh, FXD because because the, the Pelagos line had been dormant for you know even longer. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that would be I think that would be good. I think that would be fun, and it is. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's not in uh, Rolex's nature to like give us what we want. So maybe it could be in Tudor's nature. Yeah. The other thing I was thinking about, you know, after having written that article, I think it was like running or cycling or something, and thinking about it, like what what th- this brand to me is sort of in a weird position, right? Because I feel like they've come with almost every sort of reissue or sort of you know that they can so what do they do um because their brand new inventions sort of hit and and i don't know how they, they, they tend to be niche watches like you said the po1 or the fxd I, I don't know if those are really core watches right the people who want them are going to get them and then uh, i think it just sort of will be but the other thing I was thinking is on the GMT, maybe a white dial, kind of like an answer to the yeah. uh, the mythical Pan Am watch that, uh, you know, something like that. Uh, but still, I, I come back to dial variations and maybe some material stuff. I don't know where they go uh, from here, like in three, four, five years. I don't know what we're talking about with them. I still don't know. It always feels like... Are they on the edge of becoming 
um, I don't want to say passe because they they do depend heavily on reissue type uh, language. But what do they do? You know, what do they do? That's that's the uh, the difficult thing. Anytime any company uses uh, vintage or throwback styling heavily, right? Like, okay, uh, the BMW Minis those came out and everybody was was gushing all sure. over them, and uh, yeah, after combination of you know people spending bimmer prices on a subcompact car for maintenance and and all of that but you know there's there's no way way to evolve that design language and their attempts at doing that have just not been super great or fruitful so yeah and and i think i think it is interesting because there is there is some sort of a play there, like, and I think a lot of that is uh, you will have to evolve the Pelagos line that that has such a that is such a good starting point for modern sport watch um, that that could be evolved to um, into a nice product family because right now it's it's just two watches; it's not an actual family. Yeah. Um, Black Bay, I, I don't see really how that one grows much from where it is. That's fine. You had some dial variations on the GMT, and that's 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 good. That's fine. Uh, maybe bring back the North flag and not make it such a chonk. Um, yeah, that that's your other. That's another path they, forward. <clears throat> excuse me. They have they have the Tudor style line, they have the glamour line, they have the Black Bay two-tone that's kind of on a, on a Jubilee bracelet. They've got the Royal, which we've still not seen in the metal very often here in the States. So it's like, the, the interesting thing to me is, I think in that group, if you combine aspects of what each of them have, you've got one awesome line, but they've separated it into these other, like three other lines that you're like, well, there's something about this I don't like. There's something about this I don't like. There's something about this I don't like. But there's something about each that I do like. Like, could you just maybe combine all of those into this other line that's like the version of the Tudor Oyster Prince date just that you used to have? Like, essentially that. Like, bring something like the Oyster Prince back. But I don't know that they will. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe that's just for a, a different market that I don't understand. Um but yeah, I, I don't get get the many of those lines. Back, um, as a I don't remember watcher. the name of it, but I can remember <laughs> almost tracking one down here locally and just missing out on it. Was the like Tudor had a version of the Turnograph that was a day date, and it was a thirty eight millimeter day date Turnograph. Oh my goodness, bring that watch oh, back! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like bring that watch back. It's a really nice watch. Um, they are, yeah. They're pretty expensive used now. I think they're, you know, yeah. bordering on uh, four thousand dollars or so. I can, I can look up the reference, but it's a sharp watch for sure with that with that bezel. And I want to say somebody told me the case was the same as the Milgaus. Yeah, hmm. possibly back then. You know, like very thick case. I could be wrong, hmm. but somebody left that comment on an article I wrote and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I sometimes think like uh I mean all of us have all of us either own or have owned, Evan, um a <laughs> tutor 
and they make great watches. They're really nicely made watches. They they feel like um, yeah they 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 certainly bat within that uh, sort of attainable luxury space, and you feel like you're getting a good piece of quality. And now that they're doing their own movements, I think it just adds to the to the whole discussion. But they do really lean heavily on prior language and nothing wrong with that because you could argue Rolex does the same. I just feel like, yeah, sometimes uh, Kitsch runs its course, right? And everybody who wants one gets one. Um, I, I don't, admittedly, I don't talk to people on the street who ask if they're in the market for a watch and ask what they think about Tudor, but I have no clue. I really have no idea what they, how they come off to the, you know, just the person who walks in and wants to go buy a watch and sees them, sees Tag Heuer, sees Omega or Breitling or whatever. No idea. Yeah. I feel like they really play to people like us who know about older watches and see things in them. And, uh, yeah, it's always a mystery to me what the heck they're going to come out with. And last year was honestly super yeah. wild card when they came out with a and silver a gold watch. Too. So right. who knows what mm-hmm. they'll do this year. Yeah. And, and a bronze too. one. And a ceramic. And a bronze. Yeah, they, they basically did it all. So yeah. <laughs> plutonium this year. I don't know. <laughs> Forged so. from the demon core itself. Yeah, it, it's it might have been uranium actually. I don't know, so. but we'll get to see in two months, I guess. Right? So they'll they'll be at uh, Watches and Wonders, which uh, we just heard by the way will be a in person slash virtual hybrid event. So I guess some we'll have some folks there who will go check it out in person. Um, yeah, so that's that's them. Um, what about some so other brands? What I else are you guys looking forward to this year? I okay. Next point. This was this was not in your article. This was in a fellow Fratelli, Fratello, one of your kindred uh, uh, writers at Fratello, Ignacio Garcon. Nacho man. You have to re-release the twenty-two fifty-four <laughs> Omega. Do it. Do it now. It's great. <laughs> it better be available with the Speedmaster bracelet. Just make it happen. We'll all be happy. Even I, like a dyed-in-the-wool used watch buyer, would, as long as they don't do something just like completely stupid and make it nine grand, um, oh, I would I would definitely buy the snot out of that watch. That is uh, be so great. It's... It's a great watch. Uh, I love the style of the dial, everything about it. Um, <laughs> I just don't love the helium valve. <laughs> I know that's it's like people complaining about a date window and stuff. You just got to get past it or not. And for me, <sighs> it's such a clean looking watch. And the helium valve to me just, I don't know, it's just not my thing. The um, yeah, and the the one that's like a, a frustrum of the cone uh, shaped one uh, on the modern ones to me like just exaggerates it and makes it worse. 
But oh, see, for me, it's better. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it goes to show everybody's got a different view on this, right? Um, I just find it to be a little bit um, unnecessary for a watch that is clearly a volume piece or has been a volume piece. You know, come on. And, and by the way, like I have a buddy who um, <laughs> he probably won't won't like this. Maybe I've mentioned this before, but he he has he has a Planet Ocean and um, lives in California and goes in the ocean quite a bit. And what do you know? One day he forgot to screw in that helium valve. I don't know why it was. And twelve hundred dollars later, <laughs> he had a new <laughs> dial and a whole bunch of other work done to it. So. I don't know. I, well, I just find it needless. I just find it needless. Me, they should bring back the great white. Like, well, to me, that's a great watch. Omega, great Omega, watch. whichever version you're talking about. The great white was an Omega. The new one would be an Omega. But, but that one doesn't have the helium escape valve. They don't have very many GMT watches. You know what I mean? Like they, they've got, they've got a couple of mm. like, I think they have a, a I know there are some previous Seamaster 300s that have a GMT hand, but not a GMT bezel. Like, bring back that watch or the the the, the 50th anniversary edition, whichever one the one that had the uh, the two tone. Like, they kind of echo with the Planet Ocean, the Oreo, but like, yeah, they have a good GMT movement. Get it in that Seamaster 300. My guess would be there would be people. It's it's like the whole idea of Tudor expanding the expanding the Black Bay line. That's their vol- one of their volume pieces. Throw a GMT movement in it. I guarantee there will be people who that speaks to them more than the the dive bezel. Yeah, that that would be a really good good play. I just I love the idea of a twenty two fifty four with a ceramic bezel and that that new spiffy coaxial with. In my fantasies, it somehow was, would still be thin and also have the display window. I know that that doesn't happen. That's that's just physics prevent that. But um, uh, and the the new the new way that they do the, their wave dials, but with the classic plot giant plots, just glowing n- nuclear blue. Oh man, that would be killer. Well. We clearly don't know what Omega is coming with. They gave us some Seamaster, expensive Seamaster, <laughs> to kick off the year. So they've obviously got stuff coming. And, um, you know, I don't know what they'll do in the Seamaster area, if anything. But hopefully, hopefully they'll do something cool. Um, I don't know. A Great White would be nice. That's one of those watches that's like on my list of... I don't know, about 2025 watches that I sort of am like, oh yeah, let me look those up. And every time it's like, oh, it's like 600 euros more expensive than the last time I checked. And I've done that like four times. So (laughs) they they used to be like two grand and now they're there was one not two grand anymore. Buzzy, the the first whiskey watches that we went to where we met Spangler, there was one in the case at Richter and Phillips for sub three. And it's just like, oh I I but yeah, yeah, what a good shoulda. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, for sure. Come on, Evan. You're not talking at all. You got to have something. And I, I was going to say, I'm, I'm waiting to jump. I'm here. I had some, I had some Tudor stuff, but now that we're talking, um, you know, Spence, you said that uh, Omega doesn't have 
Omega doesn't have a really a true GMT. And I was really thinking about it. It's like, well, you know, they do, like y'all have pointed out, you know, some of the Seamaster lines, they've slapped a GMT hand in there. But yeah. also it kind of feels like just forced to me at a certain point. Like you're just putting a GMT into a dive watch. And they also have a GMT in what appears to be some Aquaterra models as well. But again, that's sort of like the same jam as what they did with the Seamaster line of sort of just like putting a GMT in there because they can and they don't really have a dedicated watch that people think of as that's their GMT. Um, so honestly, I would love for them to come out with just a total brand new case shape, whole new design for a watch that is their like dedicated GMT, which... Obviously, and if you right, want to recycle have, it, then um, you already have the rights cool to call it the Flightmaster. I know that the Flightmaster was a chronograph, but like, you've got the name, use it. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah for sure. Um, That's a good point. Really- yeah, really. I think he's got a big back catalog of of good stuff involved. Um, but I mean, when it comes to some other things that I would just love to see, um, this is probably just my own. I don't know if you guys feel the same way here, but I know a lot of other people do. That Cartier is uh, sort of coming into their own. The vintage market is kind of exploding these days. Um, and before I got the sub, I was definitely looking into uh, a Tank American. Wow. Solely for the fact that the Centre is quite out of reach. Um, and I get that Cartier probably wants to keep that as their like top end. Like, hey, if you have a Centre you like look at me type thing it's like their day day basically they're never going to change it but honestly i would love for them to slap that into a stainless steel case um and make it a little bit more affordable because for whatever reason right the centre and the american they look fairly similar right to the naked eye somebody walking on the street they wouldn't know but when you really like see them um and like handle them they're uh they're different beasts altogether, and i love the centre i think it's everything about that watch is fantastic um so a uh a more affordable version of that watch would be uh very good to see on my end this I'm, seeing, I'm seeing you in a whole new light now you know i'm thinking of you as a <laughs> an equine doctor you know getting a little bit uh well just saying your submariner is more up to the job than uh one of these uh Cartier's, but uh, <laughs> all right. So, so I didn't. I didn't. I Cartier. I love me some Cartier. What can I say? No, there, there's there's nothing wrong with it. And I have to tell you that I've sort of probably like a lot of other people, and I and I mentioned this in an article. I feel like the folks at Cartier put forward a really big push in the last year or so, and you saw a lot of sites writing about Cartier and covering the vintage market, the history and, you know, gearing up for some releases and things like that. And I, and I do think that it sort of supercharged the whole interest level. And it's not to say that they weren't worth looking into before, but I think he really had, you know, a large population of watch collectors who, who looked at modern watch collectors who looked at Cartier's jewelry. Right. So just sort of, Mm -hmm. and maybe, you know, with the world becoming more casual, um, just not, as 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 uh top of mind but they are nice i'm with you i'd love just a classic tank manual wind i I think it would be great um i i I 
absolutely wouldn't overpay or pay anything $1 above for a solar-powered Cartier. I find that crazy that people are doing mm. that. Yeah. Um, but they do have really nice designs. I always question with a Cartier, though, how often would I wear it? I just yeah. don't know. I just don't know. It's just not... I feel like it'd be a watch that I would get and I would find to be a really cool object, and I'm just not sure, just knowing my lifestyle, would I really put on, you know, a denim shirt or a flannel and a pair of jeans and go to the bar and wear my Cartier? I don't know. I, just, <clears throat> I know you can, but it just doesn't feel like the first thing I'd grab for. Yeah. So. Kind of feel, I kind of feel like the contrast there is uh, something I dig, right? Yeah. Let's get an Americon, slap it on like a beads of rice bracelet, put your flannel on, go to a brewery. I dig that. I would rock the shit out of that. I love it. I love the idea of that. No, that's cool. I mean, I think it's great that, um, well, quite honestly, they'd probably better hope that people think that way, right? Because... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I feel like well, I'm a minority when I, I, I want to say that. I, I would disagree with that. that minority. For me, if uh, I'm looking for a Cartier that I want, give me that that blue dial on the Santos, but in a thirty in the thirty in the medium size. I love that blue gradient dial. Mm. Give me a couple different colors in the thirty six millimeter Santos. Give me a black dial. Give me a blue. Give me a green. Like just do something else other than just the standard white dial in the Santos. I think would be that would sell like hotcakes. But like I don't know. To me. I like the idea of a tank. I'm kind of with you, Mike. I don't know that I'd wear it. What I tell you I would grab, though, and this is not to really plug the recent trip that I went on, but, like, those new Oris rectangulars, I tried those on. Like, those work. Like, if you want to talk about mechanical mm-hmm. watch for less than a... Like, an automatic watch for less than a solar Cartier, you've got those Oris rectangulars, which were... They wore really well. Like, I loved the gray dial version. So, like... That that aside would be that would be my way to get that kind of case shape in something that I know I would actually wear. Yeah, yeah. But maybe that's a gateway. Yeah, maybe that's a gateway. And and I think that for as long as I, I I think the last time rectangular watches were cool was like when Andre Agassi was first starting out, and he was I don't know what the heck he was wearing. It was like some quartz something, but it was like a rectangular watch, probably a Longine or something, and. No, it wasn't even that. It was something far more obscure and not fancy, but it, and it was not a sporty watch. And here was this guy with like crazy hair and neon whatever wearing like a <laughs> rectangular watch, but they've really not been that popular for years and years now. It feels like this like segment of the market that okay, uh, Cartier's always been there, don't get me wrong, but uh it's rare that we see rectangular or square watches that really resonate um these days so definitely yeah, it's untapped i guess yeah and i think some of that is right people don't have a gateway to get into that right there there's nothing okay there's a million affordable dive watches out there that's how most people get into the hobby that's why you're super comfortable with the idea of spending multiple grand on an expensive version of that but yeah i i do i like the idea and i'm i'll i'm pro as can be on this i like those those tank moosts the uh, uh the solar i think it's actually yeah they did the smart thing and not have a uh, second hand on there 
so there's there's no giveaway uh mm. the, they'll run forever and I, I do think it's kind of inherently like a pretty object it, it really is more more jewelry mm. than most of the other watches and i i don't know i don't, I don't really see you going wrong uh with with one of those um yeah that's that's a cool piece that uh, if it's sized right you could could let your wife borrow you know you have daughters you could uh, give them to to them uh, when they're uh, older so but the, you know I, i'm not gonna spend even the relatively speaking inexpensive what 2600 bucks on that going into it blind not knowing which size really works well like on a day-to-day basis because there's no yeah, you know, until the Oris Rectangulars uh, came out, there's really nothing out there to to try, try to wear, on and to to really try it out. Yeah, yeah, because if you read uh, dimensions on a rectangular watch, you think, no way, right? Yeah, I'm not going near that. They they seem laughable compared to the watches that we're used to, and they do wear well. Um, I'm with you, Michael. I think, uh, they, I think Oris kind of pulled out a, Oh, definitely. It was a neat and I move. Think, I think my favorite part right? about that was, you know, we got the press material for that watch along with another, one of their pilots watches they released a while ago, like well before they, that watch came out and it was both of them together and there were only images of the pilots watch. So they're like introducing the Oris rectangular and it was like, it, it was funny, um, the, uh, the the guys who I was talking to on the Oris trip were like, yeah, I know, we wanted to see the pictures of it. Because like, like, everybody was really excited about that watch. And they didn't send us pictures. So it was like, oh, what's this going to look like? Because like, it's a rectangle. It could be – you have an idea of what it's going to look like. But putting it on, I, I initially thought I would want either the blue or the burgundy. And then I tried them on in person. That gray version, I think, is the one for me to get. Like, Because it, it, could, it could go – you could dress it up. You could dress it down. Like I think you put a couple different straps on it. Like that to me, that watch is is really you know really awesome. Um, and speaking of, I think one of the brands I'm excited to kind of see. This is again, it just so happens that I was on the trip. But when we were on the trip, uh, Rolf, their C, one of their co CEOs, was was mentioning that this is kind of the year of their their aviation focus. Um, and and one of the things that we you know we, we've got a, an episode with. Depending on whether or not we drop it before this or that, like I, I got to have a conversation with him for for one of our episodes, and he mentioned that this is going to be the year of the aviation of aviation for them. So you know, obviously the Caliber four hundred's gone in a Diver sixty five with Carl Bashir. It's gone in the Aquas, and I was sitting next to him at dinner. I was like, so if I'm remembering correctly, you haven't put the new Caliber in a pilot's watch yet. And he goes, you know, you're right, and then he smiled, and then we stopped the conversation. So. You know, I've I've long been on record as saying that that a version of the PPX that maybe has a solid dial that's not skeletonized, maybe a little bit smaller, really good bracelet, something like that. Like to me, that could that watch could be what they put caliber four hundred in for the first time in their pilot watch line, and it it sure seems like that's coming out in March, something in their in their pro pilot line with caliber four hundred mm. because it's not there yet. Um, I'm excited for it. Yeah, I, I, I just, 
I hope yeah. in that space it's something wearable, yes. at least for me, because some of those watches are larger, and there's no question that they're nicely made and a bit different from a lot of stuff out there. It's just they're big for me. Now, I think yeah. – and and yes. juxtapose that against other yes. watches they well, make I, that I, fit. Well, I, mean, I think you look at that. They've, they've got <laughs> so. the caliber four hundred with a small seconds at a thirty eight millimeter. You know, uh, big proud. They can do it, and they make yeah. a profile so they can that's do forty. It. Yeah, I, I really hope. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if it starts in their forty-two millimeter version, that eventually works its way down to forty. Kind of like what they did with the Aquas. The original Aquas that came out with that new caliber was forty-three and a half. Then nine months later, they came out with the 41 and a half, which really wears like a 40. Like it to me, if they put it in the big watch early, it's going to be in a smaller one because they got it into a, into a 38 millimeter watch. Like they'll get it in. Yeah. So what do you guys think about, um, what do you guys think about Breitling? So they, they were like the, the brand that I kicked off and I, I said, all right, yes. it's time for them to do something about the Navitimer. <laughs> so I, we, we always write, um, I think most of us and yeah, calling myself a journalist is, is taking Liberty, but, um, <laughs> those, for those of us who, who write articles, um, uh, we often put the Navitimer in the same, grouping as you know speedmaster called the daytona oh yeah um el primero it, it's it's just sort of this seminal chronograph and nothing really wrong with the current one but i think the you know we, we've seen breitling do some really cool stuff over the last couple of few years and it's definitely time that this watch gets some get some love i think yeah i mean I'm a big fan of the vintage Navitimers. Um, I'm blanking on the reference number right now. Um, 806. 806. There you go. Thank you, Mike. Uh, big fan of the 806. Um, uh, and more more specific, actually, the 806, The not the small subdials, the, uh, actually the larger mm-hmm. um, 369 subdials. Um, and there's a difference oh, for sorry. everybody out there looking. Um makes a big difference in my mind um and honestly you know mike like you said i i like the current navitimer there's just something about it that i don't know just doesn't resonate with where it came from Mm. um and i don't i don't really know like the design is still there right it really has the essence of the vintage navitimers but i just you know and getting back to that i don't really know how they would go about doing that i would say for one get rid of the date I hate the date. I hate the 4.30 date on the new ones. Um, I want to say, I believe the newer ones are anywhere, man, I think they're 42, I want to say. They might have bigger ones as well. Um, But I want to say the older ones were 40, perhaps. Um, Old ones were, I believe, 42, the original ones. Right around 42. So still 42. Yeah. Okay. But lugs. Um, I mean, I can wear one, which yeah. sort of says something. It's sort of Speedmaster like. Um, yeah. What was different on the early ones is that they were manual wines, so not as thick as the current mm-hmm. ones. Um, crystal is more domed um, versus 
being more flat today. And yeah, I, I think that should be a real winner. And, you know, once they've done that, they've got a really tight lineup. Um, have you guys had the chance to try on the uh, yes. chronomat? So, yeah. The integrated one? With the Rouleau bracelet. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, with the Rouleau bracelet. That, with the, yes. Uh, what did you think of that bracelet? I thought it was going to pull a lot more hairs than it did. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty wild. It's cool. It's a cool I bracelet. I yeah. love it. Yeah, it's definitely watch. cool. Um, with the black subdials, that one is really yeah. good. Mm, that one's really yeah. good. Mm-hmm. I love I love the 36. I, I love that is so good. Stop calling oh, yeah. it a ladies' nice watch, watch isn't it? So yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> I told him that. Dude, I said, guys, come on. Know. I said, look how good this looks on my wrist. I'm like, and I'm not a lady. so I, yeah. I don't buy that that's holding <gasps> them back. The real ones, no, that's a, oh, yeah. a, a darn fine watch. Like, don't. No, it's yeah. brilliant. And I. I have a a very soft uh, spot for for Breitling. I love how it like sleekifies all of all of these uh, different touches from from their other lines and like make right. There's not full on rider tabs, but but they do have those features on the bezel. Um, yeah, yeah. It it's a brilliant brilliant watch. Yeah. I, and and I think that if Breitling can bring that kind of magic to the Nava timer, they should have a real hit on their hands. And yeah, they they really won't be lacking anything in in there. And I and I still tell people because I feel like a lot of their renaissance has come during the pandemic. That if you haven't gone out and checked out their watches, it's worthwhile. I don't I don't know about you guys. Um, I know you guys have been to um, shops, but when I last met up with Breitling, I did finally get a chance to put on the uh, the green Premier, the pistachio colored one, and what a fabulous watch! What a what a great fitting watch. Um, here again, um, maybe not a watch that at least when you see it on that brown strap, it it doesn't strike me as every day. So I'd probably do an Evan and throw something else on it and make it more versatile <laughs> but um what a cool watch what a really neat piece i don't know if you guys have, have had the opportunity the pistachio, to see but i've seen that new premier chronograph a couple of times and i've tried it on it it it's pretty spectacular yeah yeah i really like the um i guess they're taking my mind the patek perpetual calendar chronograph with the moon phase yeah Although apparently it is a hockey puck on the wrist, I like where they were going with it. I really, hard. I really dig it. I think it's kind of hard not to yeah. have such a thick watch with all that those complications. I don't even know what the thickness is of the Patek, honest, but I don't think it's thin. You know what I mean? No. I'm sure it's maybe it's thinner, but you know the reality at some point you're stacking. So we're going to transition. Right? So yeah. yes. Yeah. Yeah. No. So I'm going to transition real quick, but before we do that, uh, Grand Seiko Sub Killer and Seiko Pogue. Moving on. <laughs> Just putting it on record because I feel like the more times we say it, <laughs> well eventually put. it might happen. Anyway, 
So, so here's the here's the thing though. We're we're recording this in the beginning of February, so it's been yes. what like five weeks of the year so far, and we've seen like a release every single week. So we have forty seven more weeks. Of Fingers releases. crossed. We might get them. Fingers you know? crossed. We might. Just one out of right. the forty. That's all we need. Two out of the forty seven have to come in. <laughs> the other so. topic we wanted to touch on with you, uh, <laughs> because yeah. I know you've recently acquired at least one. And you and I have talked about this a couple of times, and I know it's one of Buzzy's favorite things to reference on the podcast indirectly via a movie, is um, Vintage Date Justs. And I know you've got some pretty excellent examples mm-hmm. of those that you've recently acquired, and it's 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 a, a watch that I know Buzzy and I at least have talked about. Uh, our buddy Ryan, uh, Ryan Wears Watches, recently uh, found one uh, that he is he is, is coming to, and... Uh, Spangler, where do you stand on vintage day justs? Uh, honestly, I like them a lot. When I first started getting into watches, um, it was between actually a vintage 1603 day just and the Speedmaster. Uh, at the time, day justs could be had. This is what, 2018? So, right, not too long ago. I was like, I was dead set. If I was going to buy a day just back then, I would get it for under three could. grand on the bracelet. Um, for a 1603, mm-hmm. which I think now they're like in the mid four. So they haven't gone up like too much. You can still get pretty good deals on them, you know, quote unquote. Um, but yeah, no, I, I really like them. I like the, honestly, between the dial combinations, I was really a big fan of the gray dials. I love the gray dials. Um, and then I also love Buckley dials are probably number mm-hmm. two in my mind. Uh, they just seem so strange because I don't think any other Rolex has those type of numerals on them. <laughs> anybody wants to correct me there or I'm just going to go with it no okay, we'll, we're gonna we'll, say let, it. we'll let you go with it there might be some ooh, I think there's a Daytona with uh, Roman numerals but yeah no it, it's a unique looking watch for sure yeah um, and then right like I love the linen dials and the uh, tapestry dials too just weird dial combinations which is why I also like the Daytona too they kind of just go with it and roll with what they got so, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of them, um, if you can find them for the right price. Yeah, I think I had overlooked them for a long time at my peril, <laughs> because when I <laughs> when I first got into this, it was before 18, I mean, I used to see them for two grand all day long, you know, they were, mm. and now, I think with a vintage date just, um, it's a bit of a tricky place to play, right, because these watches were really worn by people day in and day out. You know, they were not, um, you know, it's not to say they were abused, but they were just worn every day. And they do show evidence of, you know, what, what people like to call sleeve wear, right? So just from normal wear. And I, and I have my grandfather's, um, mid nineties date just, uh, that, uh, my dad and, uh, aunt got him for his 80th birthday and i can tell you until i took ownership of that watch and had it serviced it had never been opened never been polished and that case definitely does not look new and he wore it day in and day out you know so it's it's interesting how they age and they don't have like the same lugs as a sports watch so it's a little bit harder to tell whether something has really been polished whether it's just been worn heavily so you've got that but i think 
you know, as you were talking about, Evan, with all these different dial combinations, what I've been basically told is that the money on a Datejust is heavily, heavily favored towards the dial condition and to some degree the variant of the dial. Uh, the case is important, but a little bit more secondary, whereas like on a sports watch, okay, the dial is still clearly number one, but you're also looking heavily at polished lugs and lug holes and things like that. Um, with a Datejust, for good or for bad, you can find the ugliest dial you've ever seen, and if that case is brand new, you can swap that dial from a, from another watch, and no one will know the difference as long as it's error correct, because there there is no record, and they made so many variants that you know no one's the wiser, um, which is weird. It's a weird thing in Rolex where with a Submariner, it's either with a date or without a date, and with a date mm-hmm. just you've got this like. Which is daunting, I think, when you're kind of a fastidious collector who wants to make sure that they're getting the right thing, right? Um, but the payoff is really there. And you know, as you mentioned, I picked up a couple date chests in the last couple months, uh, a four-digit reference, so 1600, and then I picked up a early 90s. 16200, which is a uh, sapphire crystal with a quick set date. And <coughs> phenomenal, phenomenal watches. They wear just so nicely. And, you know, both examples I mentioned there are smooth bezel. So up until a certain point, you have smooth bezel, you've got the machine uh, or engine turned, and then you've got the uh, fluted, uh, which is made of gold. So it's really cool how many types there are. I think all of us grew up seeing them on people's wrists and maybe for a period of time there really were turned off a little bit maybe by how common they were or the two-tone factor, especially when we were growing up. Uh, but they've come back around and maybe that's because case size, uh, smaller case sizes are now more acceptable again, and I also think that the prices for them, as you mentioned, Evan, are nowhere near what you would have to pay for a sports model. But you're still getting all that Rolex. You're getting all those Rolex features, at least, or the quality, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's more attractive by comparison uh, to to the rest of uh, yeah, the used... Yeah, the rest of the used Rolexes became pre-owned Rolexes, and you know have just like completely mooned in price. Um, I, I, for one, I would, I would just completely dig uh, a two-tone fluted bezel, uh, champagne dial, just as eighties as humanly possible. Let Let's see Paul Allen's business card. Uh, I, I think that uh, is just <laughs> excellent, but. Uh, I, I was really bowled over by that sixteen two hundred uh, that that you wrote that article about. Uh, it looks to me if you've got plain bezels, got to be an oyster fluted bezel, engine turned bezel. I just think those look best on the Jubilee. Um, but with that sixteen two hundred, it's it's got enough of the new goodness it's a little bit more hardy but it's not that it was before they switched those 
this indexes to the new giant loom filled indexes, mm-hmm. which I just I do not like at all uh, style wise. <laughs> and granted, they are a, a lot more useful. They, you know, a, an old uh, uh, in, index with the little loom uh, pip. pip. Uh, at you know at the end that's not useful at all um no to read in the dark but by god it looks good Uh, yeah really kind of an elegant sort of bare bones watch yes Uh, something they don't really do anymore i guess the oyster perpetual to some degree um yeah that was such a wild watch you know i'd never seen one and so I said in the story, I looked at this one for over a month and I finally got it and it was scratched on the dial. And it was an unfortunate case where the uh, the seller, the uh, photographer, saw it as dust and covered it up, you know, and, and just got rid of the error um, in Photoshop. And therefore, when it arrived, the seller was like, oh, man, and, you know, no problem getting my money back and all that good stuff. So that was really cool. And. Like I said, I literally found the only other one for sale, um, and it happened to be in Europe, and it, it was just pure chance. And um, yeah, I, w- I was really surprised. And I and I still go look kind of every couple days just to see, you know, if there's like another color with the same type of dial, and I I haven't found one yet. So it's pure luck, and I really enjoy it. Um, coming to those Buckley dials, um, I don't know if you guys have seen. It's kind of like a of those vintage era pieces, the typical white, um, but they have yeah. like this chalky blue color um, with mm-hmm. the white Roman numerals. Hmm. Oh, they're incredible looking. I'm really, really, oof, I, I could, yeah, that, that could be on my list. It's, but those dials um, frequently show damage on them for whatever reason. I think like the, the loom sort of just starts to eat away at the paint and, it's really hard to find one in good shape or, you know, all the loom plots or whatever it is. So finding a good date just is, you can find a date just, no problem. But finding a good one is, it's a hunt. Well, and yeah, that kind of ties so, two things together yeah. because I know one of the things, we, you know, we, we like a lot of the vintage date justs. There's one that both vintage and kind of neo-vintage that I'm drawn to is the tournament or the Thunderbird. <laughs> And I know that was one of the watches that you said, hey, why don't Rolex bring back the Thunderbird? Um, but the vintage version is also very excellent as well. So it's it's one of those kind of like, I'd love to see them come out with a new one because I kind of am drawn towards like the, the mid-2000s one that has like the fluted bezel, but, you know, still has the numerals on it. But the old vintage Thunderbirds are something that you don't see very often either. So like it, it it'd be cool if they brought it back. But a vintage one may also be on the list too, um, so. Yeah, the the other piece to look for is the um, the model prior to that that last one. So like the sixteen, I think like the sixteen two six three. So it had a sapphire crystal, yeah. but still the old style bezel, and. They're really nice. Like you can find them with a um, like a dark blue dial or a black dial. I think even a gray dial and really attractive. Uh, those here yep. again <laughs> should have. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Should have. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So date just, um, we'll see where they go, but yeah, I would, I would say, you know, the good thing about them is that those you can sort of run into in places where maybe you don't expect to find a good watch. Like if you're at a, uh, a jewelry store that has kind of an estate section or something, they're just everywhere, you know? And I think pretty frequent for a family to find one and they don't want it or they want some cash, boom, it's gone. And if you find a good one, sometimes you can still, you, uh, like I say, get a good deal. Did you see it at so the Miami Antique Show? It's worth looking out for one. Yeah, so that was funny, you know. Um, I had the opportunity to attend the Miami Antique Show about a week ago. Uh, it was on a Sunday when I first arrived into Florida. And there were some dealers like... Um, Adam from Menta, Eric Wind, uh, Sasha Davidoff was in town, although they didn't have a booth, and Matt Bain was there. So some people that I'd met before, and and then there were other dealers there selling, you know, vintage and some. You saw a lot of new watches that you cannot get, a lot of Nautilus and Royal Oak and modern Rolex. Um, but then you'd see these lot of uh booths with jewelry you know a lot of diamonds and gems and things and then there'd be like one <laughs> day chest sitting there <laughs> and i think i was like talking to sasha and i said man it's so funny how you know almost every booth has a rolex sitting there and he's like yeah he said it's currency you know people come in with this watch and maybe they're looking for a pair of earrings or something for there's significant another or, you know, a special occasion or whatever. And they know that that Rolex will get them part of the way there or all the way there or whatever it is. And yeah, it's just, just very funny. Um, <laughs> and, and most of them were two-tone by the way, that you saw in the case. <laughs> so somebody who probably inherited it from someone who is no longer around. So yeah. Um, Miami Antique Show was interesting. Uh, I, I know it gets written up a little bit, like on Hodinkee and 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 mentioned in other places. There are people who fly down for it. Um, I think some of those uh, dealers I mentioned who I really like and I enjoy having a drink with or talking to or even you know bought for most of them one time or another. It's really fun to see them and see the stuff that they bring. Um, would I fly across the country for it? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> in the winter, going to Miami is not a bad idea, I guess. So that's <laughs> that's part of the appeal. But it was really strange. You know, we I was there with my dad, and we were walking by some booths. And I think the positive is that you do get to see some vintage watches that otherwise you wouldn't see in person. And I think in some cases, you see something and you decide, oh, that really wasn't what I thought it was and I no longer want it or, Oh, I really want it. And uh, I could actually try it on. Um, so, so that's a benefit, but we did see some really funny haggling. There was uh, one case. And again, this was one that had nothing but basically modern Rolex. So I don't know where these folks are able to get all these, but these are all the watches that everybody wishes they could walk into the AD and buy. And there was a guy standing there um, looking to buy something. And he 
asked the seller, and there were two sellers kind of across the case from him. He asked the seller, he's like, all right, what is the price for this watch? And he quoted a price, and he's like, wow. He's like, that's a crazy price. He goes, well, it's a new watch. He goes, it's not new. It's from 2019. And he said, yeah, but it's polished. And he goes, it's not polished. And the other seller standing next to him goes, yeah, actually, it is polished. I sent it to get polished. And then... And the other seller goes to the guy because they were clearly a dealer from New York, and and he goes, yeah, but it's it's New York new, and uh, you know by, the, by this time it was just sort of like, you know, they were just sparring, and um, ultimately I think the price was I don't know it was like fifteen thousand whatever he was looking at some sort of Rolex, and at thirteen five they made a deal, but it, but the discussion was almost abusive back and forth, and it was just so. I don't know. It, it was, you know, I wouldn't feel comfortable buying a watch um, with that kind of discussion. But you know, that's that's uh, how some people like to the bargain back and forth. So it it was an interesting experience going. I would say it was definitely a a need a, a an interesting event to take in. Uh, but yeah, unless uh, you're there for other things in Miami or you know just looking to make it five hours out of your uh, long weekend vacation in Miami. I don't know if it's, if it's truly worthwhile, but yeah, it was, it was good. I checked the box. I always wanted to go. So, and the one hour drive was, was not a bad, bad thing. So, yeah. So, um, I know you guys are, uh, we're running up against time. I'll tell you one other little story that has nothing to do with watches, but I think we'll make you laugh. Um, so I've been down here and, uh, when I finish up work every day, I go cycling and, uh, my dad has a number of pretty serious road bikes and he has a uh, vintage frame <coughs> that I rode, I've been riding and admittedly it's a little bit large for me. And I thought, all right, I come over here more and more, um, Actually, I don't come over here enough to justify buying a bicycle to leave in Florida, but what the hell, I decided I would just go kick the tires or so I thought at the local, uh, one of the local two, uh, bike shops. So I stopped into, um, Trek, um, and I walk in after looking on their website and young guy comes from behind the counter where he's working on a bike, very friendly, like super friendly. And he's like, hey, he's like, how can I help you? And I said, oh, I said, you know, just poking around. I said, kind of want to look at road bikes. And he sort of chuckled and he's like, Ooh. he's like, we're into 2023 right now. And, uh, oh. <laughs> and he's like, so, so he, he said, you know, you can give me a call whenever you want. And if we just randomly get stuff in, which we do, happy to, you know, happy to tell you. He goes, the other thing you can do. Here we go. You can put your name on a waiting list and leave us a deposit. But as I like to tell people, there was no comment about have you bought from us before or will you buy this really uh, ugly whatever bike your wife in order bike? to get to the front of the list on something. But I, I sort of, exactly. yeah, exactly. Oh, you have a daughter. What's she writing these days? Yeah, no. I sort of had watched deja vu, but it was a very nice experience. Just they have nothing in stock. It was, uh, it was amazing. So that is pretty funny. 
I know. I bet Maybe you weren't not. expecting that going in to buy a, a bicycle. <laughs> so. No, I mean, I knew that I knew that bikes were in short supply, but I honestly yeah. thought maybe they'd have two or three or something there to look at, just just to look at, and uh, nothing, um, just nothing. Jeez. So that's pretty crazy. wild. Yeah, just doing repairs all day. <laughs> so yeah, so state of the world, right? So I guess I could. Uh, go and try to buy my favorite truck bikes and then try to go sell them at auction for, uh, if I bought like a light blue one, yeah. maybe I could sell it yeah. for 50 times the price. Well, I think? the downside is a lot of times these, uh, track dealers will make you, uh, engrave the watch yeah. or hold on to your warranty <laughs> card just, uh, so you're not flipping. Yeah, there you go. You're right. Uh, well, as so. that, that kind of does bring it. Completely so there we are. So, Mike, always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, hopefully, you, you make it back to Germany all right. Uh, safe travels and all that. And uh, it's always great catching up with you. You guys know where to find him, uh, Mike in Frankfurt and uh, at Fratello.com. Uh, so, uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having yeah. We'll have to see how our predictions pan out in a couple of weeks or how they panned out. So, catch everybody next time. Absolutely. See ya. <laughs>